0: the conversations in your home flow. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 125. Hi guys. Well, this is the last episode in our meltdown series that I've been doing for the month of July. And um, this last episode I've titled How to Minimize Meltdowns. And I kind of toyed around with it because I really sort of wanted to call it other things. But then I was like, "Eh, I can talk about those things. But I think at the end of the day, what I'm really talking about is how, you know, I think everybody just is like, how do we make them stop? Right. Like they're like, they're not pleasant. Nobody, nobody enjoys them. In fact, I, uh, somebody uh, recently filled something out, a mom did, and she was uh, telling me what was going on in her situation. And basically she filled out my questionnaire and she said, um, which just asks a bunch of questions like, you know, tell me about what's going on. What's the, there's just a series of questions that I ask. And I said, what was going on? And so she describes her situation and basically she has a five-year-old and he's, having a lot of meltdowns okay so she doesn't call it that but what she describes I'll I'll tell you guys so I said um what are the two biggest challenges you're facing right now that hold you back from having your fantasy family and she says power struggles okay so power struggles are usually why why do power struggles happen we ask our kids to do something and then they refuse and then maybe they dig their heels in and then we dig our heels in and then thus there's a power struggle. And so, um, not fun for anyone. So she says my five-year-old's experiencing aggressive and defiant behavior. Okay. That sounds like a meltdown to me. I don't know about you guys. Arguing, screaming, hitting us and babysitters camp counselors when told to do something or told something he doesn't like. Okay, so when he's given directions or something he doesn't like, he hits. Okay, what do we know about hitting? When people hit, are they in their prefrontal cortex? Are they in their thinking brain? Are they the most brilliant versions of themselves? Is that the version of yourself you want to be when you're going to go sit for the LSAT? Right? No. When you're hitting, you're in a state of fight or flight. You're in survival state. You're in the lowest centers of your brain. All your brain is doing, as we've talked about in past episodes this month, is your brain has one job. Your body has one job as a human to stay alive. So if you're hitting, you're literally in a state of survival, That's what a meltdown is. A meltdown is basically like, I don't know what else to do right now. And I'm perceiving the situation like a scary tiger in the jungle. And so I feel like I'm going to die. And so that's why humans go into a meltdown state. So that's what this little five-year-old child is doing. Okay. He's arguing, he's screaming, he's hitting all the adults that are caring for him whenever he's given directions or instructions. So what are you currently doing to improve the stress in your household? What have you tried? Um, And did you see any long-term positive results? That's the next question I ask. And she says, I work with him on making good choices, staying calm to work through upsetting issues. So I'm working with him to make good choices and to stay calm through working through upsetting issues. But what I really want to know is, is what's really going on for him? Like, why is he feeling unsafe, right? My hunch based on last week's episode and how, what I told you guys about is creating emotional safety leaves people in a place where they don't feel like they have to fight for their life to get their needs met. So this kid has some need that's not being met. He feels misunderstood in some way. He doesn't know how to get the need met. So talking to him about making good choices and remaining calm, does that necessarily get his need met? We've got to figure out why he's doing those things and what need he's trying to meet. And then she's, and then I said, um, why is it important to improve your current situation? Like what are the side effects to your health, to your relationship and what's going to happen down the road if you continue down this path? And she says, it's affecting school and camp. And our work, as well as relationships with friends, recently we were told not to come back to camp. So they're losing relationships over this child having meltdowns and not getting his needs met. And I said, what's your biggest fear regarding the future of your family? And she says, aggressive, defiant behavior continuing and also not dealing with this in a way that, that won't make it worse or scar him. So that's a little sign that I know she's probably reacting maybe her Aaron and or her husband are reacting in adult meltdowns. And so she knows deep down that, that like neither one are going to solve the problem. She said, aren't going to make it worse or scar him. So that's like, she knows she's making it worse. She knows what she's trying is not working. So she's reaching out now. Interesting. This is an interesting question. The last question, you guys, I asked this for a reason. And let me tell y'all this nine times out of 10, this question remains blank on most of these questionnaires. Imagine a crystal ball and in it, you can see your dream life a year from now. Describe it. Nothing. So you know how I talked about a couple episodes ago, fear, like we have this negativity bias where as humans, we have one job, we're designed to stay alive. So we scan our environment for danger, 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 danger. And that's why it's so easy to focus on the negative and what's wrong. Um, And we're not, it doesn't come naturally for us to think about what do we actually want? And, and, and so I asked this question for a reason because we can't create the life we want unless we can envision it and see it. Right. Like it's kind of, if you think about like accomplishing a goal, would you ever like, if it was, if it had to do with work or, um, you know, some, or maybe it's an exercise goal. Can you imagine thinking that you were going to, achieve something great and feel a major sense of accomplishment without having a clear idea and actually defining what that goal is. No, like, I mean, you can read tons and tons and tons of productivity books and how, you know, how successful people start their day. What's their morning ritual, blah, blah, blah. I guarantee you every single one of them has an intentionality behind it. And what is your goal for the day? What is your intention? What is your purpose? Like really getting clear and defining what you want from your day. You have to do that. And, um, and that's straight out of positive psychology because we're, we're really saying to ourselves, oh, yeah, we're designed with this negativity bias as a human species, but as evolved humans in 2020, we can actually manipulate our own brain and, 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 and identify the things that we want to create. And there are certain practices that help us do it. So when you don't know what goal you want, it's probably pretty unlikely that you're going to accomplish that goal. So, so what I, want to say is, is that, you know, understanding, right? Like really getting underneath to the root of why a human being has a meltdown. Like all the episodes from this month really help you hopefully to look at these things more closely and realize that like, teaching our kids breathing tactics and how to calm down and, um, and how to, what did she say? Um, make better choices or it, like, that's not getting to the root of it. It's not, it's not getting to the root of it. So we have to get to the root. We have to realize where there are some unmet needs, where we have accidentally had created an environment where our kid, because the thing is, is when kids don't know how to solve their problems or get their needs met, what they learn very young, like around the age of two or three is, oh, when I act out, when I, I mean, they actually learn it younger. You know, little tiny babies cry for a reason. When they cry, we come and we attend to them. And so then when that little baby becomes a toddler, a two or three-year-old, you know, the cries maybe then, you know, are accompanied with, hitting and kicking and screaming and yelling and 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 making a whole scene and they they learn they act they actually learn like oh when i make a whole big fuss the grown ups give me a ton of attention now even if we're yelling at them it's still attention and um and so That those behaviors get reinforced. Whereas like when they're following the rules and being cooperative and doing all the things that we really want them to do, a lot of times we're like, oh, good job. We just like skim over it. But when they're pulling out all the stops with their meltdown behaviors, like we drop everything to address it and address it and address it and lecture and lecture and admonish and lecture and yell and little And it's just like, they don't really care if it's positive or, te- or negative attention. Little tiny toddlers, it's like, oh, you see me. I matter. Game on. And then that's, there's the root of the negative behaviors that can be attention seeking, but then ultimately like they just become a pattern in your kid's life. And so every time they're feeling some big emotion in their body, they resort to those patterns of acting out because they know they're going to get your undivided attention. And at the end of the day, they don't know how to solve these problems differently. They don't know how, when they're in the lower parts of their brain to help themselves feel better. They don't. So they really want our help. And if they knew how to be like, hey, mom, I could really use your help right now. Um, I'm feeling kind of out of control in my body. There's a lot of intense anxiety and I'm really worried about this thing or I'm really frustrated that such and such happened or I didn't like it when somebody told me that I had to do something a certain way. And I mean, you never know, especially if you have a sensory kid, if you have a highly sensitive nervous system kid and it's at camp and camp involves like changing clothes and wet bathing suits and funky smelling. Gro- I hate wet bathing suits. All I can remember is when my kids were little and they went. I had to take them to this swimming lessons place, and ugh, every time I had to like go in that 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 dank wet bathroom with all those funky smells and taking off wet clothing and putting wet clothing on, and you know you got a five year old. Now this little boy that the mom wrote into me and, and maybe it's him. It's you know, he's five. So obviously he's putting on his own bathing suit, taking off his own bathing suit, changing clothes. Like who knows what it is? But there's more to the equation. And chances are he's been acting out for quite a long time. And the grown ups have not helped him figure out a better way to to get his needs met. And now he's gone to a place of of major aggression. Um and so it's almost like we need to be like like stop back it up. Let's start again. Let's get to the bottom of what's really going on. So he's probably not feeling emotionally safe to get those needs met. He's been admonished and yelled at and shamed and lectured and all the things that we all do. I'm not I'm not harping on this mom. This is like super common right? I just think many of us can identify with it, but she's like, I don't want to do anything to make the problem worse or to scar him. So, I mean, that's the thing we all know when we're doing things that are not working and, and then we keep doing them. Okay. And so what I'm really hoping is that from this month, you understand that fear is on the scene. And, and people having frequent meltdowns, people of all ages who are having frequent meltdowns, they feel terrible in their bodies. They know they're not likable. They don't even like themselves. And there is intense, intense loneliness going on. And when you don't feel safe emotionally, which I think for many of us, many of us like that whole episode on emotional safety, you might be like, well, I've never had that. Does that even exist? But when humans don't feel seen and accepted and even celebrated exactly for the person you were born to be like, that's painful. And we do all kinds of things. We wear lots of armor because it's painful and we don't want people to hurt us more. And so a lot of times, We don't allow people to know the real us because the real us has never felt accepted. And so then there's the loneliness and there's the isolation. So, you know, everything that I've been talking about in terms of meltdowns, you know, that meltdown behavior doesn't just happen out of nowhere. It happens as part of this cycle where there's fear and loneliness and lack of emotional safety on the scene. And because we are, we are pack animals, humans are not meant to live on an Island by ourselves. We are meant to be part of a pack. Um, You know, when you have all of these, these issues going on, you end up feeling pretty dysregulated inside your body. And the, the big news flash or not is that when humans feel dysregulated on the inside, it really just means that our nervous system is unbalanced. Okay. It feels wonky. It feels terrible in your body. So as adults, when we feel this way, we might describe the sensation of, of when we're feeling dysregulated by saying something like, like, Oh, I have a lot of, I struggle with anxiety. I have a lot of anxiety. Um, which if you tell your doctor that you I mean, I think it, they say one in four adult women are on some kind of, you know, mood stabilizer. Um, they might just put you on Prozac or Lexapro or one of those Zoloft. Um, so if you're feeling that, then you might just dull that sensation. So rather than get to the root of why you're feeling dysregulated Right? Are you living in a place of fear? Do you feel intense loneliness? Do you have emotional safety in your life? Instead of that, it's just like, bam, here's a band Let me give you a pill. And um and so we might say, I have a lot of anxiety. We might say, Oh, I was such a stressful day, so stressed, so busy. I'm so stressed. We might describe it like that. We might say, Oh, I need a drink. Right. So When we're feeling dysregulated, oh, such a hard day, I need a drink. We're looking for, you know, or we might want to eat something or binge watch something. We're looking for ways, like quick hits to help our body, our nervous systems feel more regulated. Okay. And so, um, so kids don't, especially little kids, they don't do that yet. Now, once they get their hands on technology... And sometimes little kids have, have access to technology to a degree where they use that technology like the drink and it helps them to kind of, um, to feel more balanced in their nervous system. Um, that becomes a coping mechanism, which ultimately just like too many drinks or too many different ways to, to calm our nervous systems can quickly become, um, something habitual that then ends up not adding to our life, but you know can it can become an addiction um very easily very easily but um but but a lot of times little kids who haven't found those coping mechanisms they they melt down they try to kick and they scream and they um they feel unsafe they feel out of whack their nervous system feels wonky and unbalanced and dysregulated and it feels bad and it feels terrible and so that dysregulation causes them to have this explosion and the explosion actually allows them to feel slightly more regulated because when you have the explosion, you get a little bit of an adrenaline rush. It's like when we say, I'm not going to yell, I'm not going to yell, I'm not going to yell. And then the next thing you know, you're yelling is you just, you're like, I thought about it, but I just couldn't stop myself. And it's because your cortisol levels, your stress hormones were rising. And then the yelling actually, um, lowered those stress hormones temporarily. Well, the same thing's happening when our kids are having meltdowns. And so I think, you know, this month if anything I hope that you guys have opened your mind to like meltdowns are not just for toddlers. People are having meltdowns of all ages, right? And just because it's it seems to be a toddler type term, there's plenty of teenagers and adults having chronic meltdowns. Um, you know, recently I was talking to a mom and she was telling me that her husband who happens to be a doctor. Um, and right now, if you're listening to this in real time, we're still, you know, we're still going through, I mean, there hasn't been a vaccine created yet for COVID. And so you he's a doctor, he's going to work every day. They're literally wearing these like space suits. Um, where he's working because he's a surgeon. And so he comes home from a stressful day on the front lines as a medical worker, um, during the pandemic. And, um, and basically she's like, and he just like acts like a dick to everyone in the family. Just like, just, just a total dick. And she says he nitpicks her. He's like, you know, complaining about like her putting the dishes in the wrong place. I can't even find a dish, Ugh. you know, just like she's And then she's like, he barks at the kids about stupid little piddly things. And then even yelled recently at the dog for like, I don't even know what the dog did wrong, but whatever the dog did wrong. And, um, and she said, you know, it's like eggshells everywhere. She dreads his arrival home because it's like, she's been home. She's figured out her rhythm with her kids And, um, and they kind of have their thing going on and she said, you know, and then he comes home and it's like, he makes her life harder. Instead of having a co-parent that's all of a sudden joining her, she now has to walk on eggshells and everyone feels like they're walking on eggshells around them. And, um, and she's like, ugh. she said, you know, it's just so annoying and I'm sick of pretending it doesn't exist. And, um, and I said, I said, you know, it's interesting. His nervous system is just dysregulated after a stressful day at work. And so he's, it's like, think of him like a toddler begging for boundaries he needs, like, he needs a calm down spot to go to when he's acting like this, like somewhere where he can feel safe, where he can calm down his body and his brain. And then, and then he can rejoin the family when he's calm. Um, and so I, you know, we were laughing and I was like, he really, he's, he's like a dysregulated toddler. And the more y'all walk around, around on eggshells and justify it, like he's the one out and he's on the front lines and, He's at work all day and it's so stressful and we're not going to make his life more stressful so we'll just like put the oh okay we'll put the dishes where you want oh oh let me get the dog oh let, you know you want to like walk on eggshells around him and make it just so not add to his stress but really what he needs you to do is to put boundaries down and parameters around that and um and not allow him anymore to hijack the household like it's just not okay and he actually needs that from you He doesn't realize he needs it from you, but he does need it from you. Just like anyone having a meltdown needs leadership. They need strong leadership from someone and they need boundaries. Okay. So when any human is feeling dysregulated, they are begging us for loving leadership so that they can finally feel safe in the world. Right. And, um, and I think that many of us just don't know how to create that. Like, what does that look like? So I want to talk about what that looks like, because when you show up as a loving leader and you don't make someone's behavior, especially their dysregulated behavior, they're the one, they're feeling all out of whack. When you show up in a way where you're just going to establish Boundaries and behaviors that are expected and demanded, and you're not going to overreact or lose it or fight with them or join them in a state of dysregulation. You're going to stay the loving pack leader, the grown up, the calm, assertive grown up because calm people solve problems. Ultimately, that helps that person who's feeling dysregulated feel safe again. So Signs of a good leader. A good leader is a good listener. Like that mom that wrote in to me about her son who's not doing well, I'm like, okay, we're telling him, make better choices, remain calm, yada yada, yada. Are we listening to him? Are we taking the time out of the meltdown to really talk to him and ask him, hey, when such and such and such and such happened the other day, you something was going on. I want to understand. Can you tell me? Can you tell me more about that? What was so upsetting? I really care. I really want to know, and then you listen. you listen without interrupting or shooting. You just listen. A sign of a good leader is you're a good listener. confident do good think about like any good leader like if you think about a company, like if, you know, when there's a company meeting and the, the boss is there and the boss comes into the room, does the boss walk in the boss? that's like the revered, respected boss. Does the boss come in begging for everyone to like them dancing like a circus monkey? Or does the boss come in just with that, that confidence about them? like, you know, just, just with an air of confidence, confident people make us feel safe in the world. Confident people aren't begging like me, like me, like me. They don't make They make us like, like When do you think about people who aren't confident? It's like, it's hard to have, it's, it's more, t- it's tiring to have conversations with people that aren't confident. Cause you can tell when people are just sort of, um, wanting to say just the right thing or do the right thing because they want you to like them or they want you to respect them or they're trying to make a good impression. But confident people, they show up differently, right? So a sign of a good leader is somebody who's confident, somebody who's a clear communicator You can't really expect people to understand what the rules are, what the boundaries are, how it's not okay for this husband to come home and hijack the main areas of the house unless... Unless his wife has showed up in strong leadership, if y'all hear like squeaky noises, it's because my dog, I wish I could take a picture for you. She's like sitting here next to me. Just, she's out like a light. Um, she looks so cute right now. Um, so, okay, okay. Let's stop with the groans. Um, so a strong leader uh, has to understand how to properly communicate what the rules are what the boundaries are. You have to be a good communicator. Talk about things at a non-relevant time. Later on, after the moment has passed, and she says, hey, I noticed that when you come home from work, you are all wound up from the day. It's a stressful day, huh? She understands how to have a productive conversation and how to clearly communicate what is not going to happen anymore in the main areas of the house. There's been a family, there's been three other people all day at home living, like living a connected life together, having a certain semblance of order and, um, and, and they've been working as a team and now all of a sudden one person comes in and just takes over and then there's eggshells everywhere. Like that's just not okay. So the new, the person coming in may need to go and take a little time for themselves, go for a jog, do something that allows them to transition from work to home, and hijacking the main areas of the house is absolutely unacceptable. It's just not going to fly anymore. We're not doing it this way. This is not the kind of family we are. Do y'all hear, geez, so that confident, clear communicator. You're going to get low. You're going to get slow. You're not begging for approval. You're not shaming anyone. You're acknowledging it's a stressful day and it can be hard to transition. And here's the boundaries. It's not going to happen like this anymore. Okay we can do it with our partners we can do it with our parents we can do it with our kids this is this these are communication tools to be an effective leader a loving leader makes hard decisions yeah sometimes we have to make decisions that other people don't like and sometimes they're going to be upset about those decisions and we have to make the call that's what strong leaders do strong leaders make you feel safe when things aren't going well they know how to assure without lying like we're in a pandemic i know a lot of companies right now are really struggling so what happens when you're dealing with a bunch of people who you maybe it's your kids your kids saying Are we going to start school again? Is it going to be the online learning again? I hated that. When am I going to see my friends? I want to play sports. I said, I can't, I, what, what's going to happen next year? What, right. Maybe we don't know yet. Lots of schools haven't announced yet. How do we assure without lying? Well, yeah, I hear you. You're worried a lot about what's going to happen next year. Cause you're ready for life to resume again. Huh? Again, good listener. You let your child talk, you hear them, you reflect back, you don't invalidate. And then you say, I can tell you as you know, we people, we, we figure things out right now. We're going through a hard time in life as a country Like this is, this is a really hard time. Probably your children one day are going to, they're going to read about the 2020 pandemic in history books. And you're going to say, it's like when I think of my parents talking about the great depression, you're going to, you're going to be like, yeah, I was 11 or I was eight during the 2020 pandemic. I remember it all of a sudden we didn't go to school and we couldn't see any of our friends and it was really hard when we started school again, finally, when they found a vaccine or before they found a vaccine, we had to wear face masks to school and we had to sit like six feet apart from other people. It was weird. See how that's assuring, but you're not lying. You're not taking it away. You're not saying it's going to be okay. You know what? It's not that bad. No, you're acknowledging, you're assuring like, yes. We were designed for this and it's a crazy time, but we're not wrapping it up with a nice, neat bow. Do you see how that confident leadership helps people to feel safe in the world? Strong leaders tell the truth. Strong leaders believe in you. How good does it feel when someone in a leadership position that helps you to feel safe in the world sees you and believes in you? When we show up with loving leadership pack leadership, and then, on top of it, we believe in our kids that they can do hard things, and we show up as this soft place to land. Do you see how impactful that can be? Pack leaders support their pack members they hold people accountable as well, right so When you have that melting down husband or melting down child, and you've taken the time as a pack leader, a loving pack leader, to establish what the rules are and set the boundaries and how the main household main areas of the household will not be hijacked. And when they are, this is what's going to ensue. And then they follow through on that on that boundary that was established and hold other people accountable. And when they follow through on it, they don't have to shame or blame. They just follow through. Just so, this will help your brain to remember. This is just a sense of accountability. Strong leaders are not affected by your opinion of them, right? Like strong leaders make hard decisions. And sometimes you're not going to like them. And they're like, okay, totally understand, get it. And this is what I believe makes most sense for our family, for our team. It's okay. You don't have to like me right now. I get it. They don't ask for approval. And strong leaders also don't stoop to focusing on the negative or petty name calling right? They're not going to blame. They're not going to shame. They're not going to talk about all the things you did wrong and why you deserve to be uncomfortable or upset right now. Strong leaders just hold you accountable. And they say they say less. Strong leaders act like grownups. So a kid having a meltdown, they're begging, begging for someone to show up, as a strong, loving pack leader in their life. This will help them to feel safe and calm and grounded. They want a firm and loving adult. They want to know the rules and they want those rules enforced in a calm, assertive manner, right? Because that's how they start to learn what to expect and everything doesn't feel so uncertain. They know when they act this and this and this way, Technology is shut down for the rest of the day. And if they badger and badger and badger and ask for it back, the technology is shut down for the next day. And if they continue badgering, that it's going to be shut down until further notice. Or bedtime is going to be rolled back 30 minutes earlier because they've showed that, that their body is, is feeling dysregulated inside and they need more sleep because sleep helps the body to relax. Like They know what is going to happen. They know what to expect. It actually helps reduce and mitigate that unknown, that uncertainty, okay? Uncertainty causes anxiety in all humans. We crave certainty. Uncertainty feels unsafe. It induces fear and fear puts us in the lower centers of our brain. It leaves us in more of a meltdown state or a flight or freeze state, Okay. That's what fear does. It puts us into a fight, meltdown, flight, either go away or totally shut down and learn to dissociate in your brain, go on a spaceship somewhere else, or just freeze, you know, and sort of go into a catatonic state. Pack leadership and clear communication of boundaries. It bathes the brain in all the hormones that allow us to grow, allow us to learn new skills, okay? So the pack leadership and the clear communication of boundaries and following through on those boundaries, it, it, it literally helps to eliminate meltdowns because it creates emotional safety and that promotes connection and it compa- it combats the fear and isolation and loneliness. So enforcing bedtime without arguing or negotiating will help your kid learn how to fall asleep on their own and get a good night's rest. Okay? So hear that again. When you actually enforce, of course your kids don't want to go to sleep. Of course they don't. The party ends when they, but enforcing bedtime without arguing, you're just a strong, assertive leader. You've taken the time ahead of time to establish what the rule is how bedtime's going to go down. You've even done some skill building on the front end. You've practiced it. You've got a little chart up. You're not going to fight about it night after night. You've got your plan in place because you are a strong, confident, loving leader. And then it's bedtime and you know what's going to happen. They're going to argue or pull out all the stops and try to negotiate like they have in the past because it has worked and it has bought them more time and they need one more glass of water and they need to go potty one more time and yada, yada, yada. But when you just enforce it without arguing, without negotiating, this is how your kid will learn how to fall asleep on their own. And now they're going to finally get a good night's rest. You're going to like, Understand that when you establish rules around homework and technology, right, you're going to be able to support your kids in becoming successful students. And what's that going to do? It's going to boost their confidence. When you post your family rules with clear boundaries around violence, physical and verbal violence, both, um, you're going to help your kid to expand their emotional vocabulary and their emotional intelligence. Okay. So let me ask a question. Do well-rested, confident, emotionally intelligent people have very many meltdowns. Do well-rested, confident, emotionally intelligent people have very many meltdowns, right? Like it's not that tricky. I mean, this is the thing. When we do that, when we show up with leadership, And establish boundaries and then enforce boundaries without losing our cool and having meltdowns ourselves, our kids will feel more regulated. Ultimately, they'll get better sleep. They'll be better students. They'll learn more effective language to communicate when they're feeling some kind of big feeling in their body rather than acting out violently. And if you're sitting here, go, but yeah, how do I do that? How, how, how? Just know there's more to the story for you. If you don't know how, well, you got to do the work on helping yourself grow into a strong, assertive leader. You got to work on your own confidence. You got to work on your own skill set. I've had many moms say to me, oh, I just can't do it at home. Oh my gosh, I'm a law professor. I'm a this, I'm a that. I go and do it all out in the world, but I can't even do it at home. Yeah, you're acting out in the world, but deep down somewhere inside, you received a message somewhere that you weren't worthy. There wasn't emotional safety for you. You weren't worthy of having your voice heard. You weren't worthy of establishing a boundary and having your own time. Like I have moms who are like, oh my gosh, I can't even take a shower. They bang on the door and bang on the door and bang on the door. I'm like, hmm, somewhere in your life, you received a message that you didn't deserve to have your boundaries and your space respected. There wasn't emotional safety for you. So there's, there's some stuff to heal there. And if you're like, yeah, how do I do that? How do I do that? You know, there's lots of different avenues to do it. Number one would be find a good therapist and start digging into that um, because that's that's the thing. How can we, if we are people who walk around not knowing how to own our leadership, not knowing how to solve a problem without going, you know, solve a meltdown by, without going into a meltdown state ourselves, like, you know, how do we think that we aren't going to add to our, you know, cause scars and make the situation worse like that one mom was worried about. If we haven't healed our own scars, right? This doesn't make sense. And I get it. You don't want to probably, you're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. You've developed coping mechanisms, probably dissociating or over behaviors or whatever it is. And you will pass that stuff down to your kids if you don't get to the root of it. That's why I started doing this work. I never would have done this work just for me. Never, ever, ever. But once I realized that like, my kids were, shy, were holding up a mirror and all the parts, the dark corners and shadow sides of myself that I didn't really want to look at, unless I was willing to deal with those, I was just going to pass those parts of myself down to them. And that felt too painful to me. That's what, that's what got me to get on. That's why I really got on this path um, and dug into the work because I just, I I just didn't want that for them. I wanted more for them. So, so, so I know this is a big topic, you guys, but I didn't want to just gloss over it. And, you know, I've been referring to that show, normal people all month. Normal people, yeah, normal people. Um and um and I think it's interesting, um, and if you haven't watched that show, please go watch that show. Uh, because it's really worth it. It really was impactful to me. Um, but what I want to say is is that the way the way I'm talking about helping somebody in your life that you love feel more regulated, how you show up for them. I think it, it, you're, it's interesting to look at how the main characters in this show kind of went through their period of growth. So the woman who I've been talking about, who's kind of the main character, Mary you know, she was deeply troubled. She was from a really toxic family. Um, she definitely had this armor up that made her not very likable to the other kids in school. And she, you know, was sort of this, wore this, uh, this, this egoic superiority about her. She was smarter than ever. She just wasn't very likable to the other kids. And, um, and she didn't have any connected relationships within her family. And she was just sort of, you know, broken and, and didn't have a sense of worthiness because of how dysfunctional her family system has been. And then this boy comes along, his name is Connell and he's the main character. And, um, and at the beginning of the show, um, you really don't like him because he sorts, I Oh, I I don't even think I've said if anybody just so y'all know, there is a heavy sex scenes in this, in this show heavy, heavy, heavy sex scenes in the show. So he sort of, and there's like disturbing sex scenes too. Yeah. I should have said that before now. Um, so he sort of uses, he does, he uses her, um, in the early episodes and you're like, Oh my God, like you really feel badly for her. And you kind of, he's like sort of that traditional, um, jock who's sort of a creep who's using this girl, you know? And, um, and so you see him as that, but, you know, as the show unfolds, you see that he had a boundary around, um, he ended up falling in love with her and then and he had a boundary around how he loved her. So her dysfunction and what she was used to and her familiar was really being treated poorly. And as the show unfolds and as they get older, um, she gets into like some like weird, creepy sexual stuff and, um, and gets really used to this mistreatment. And at one point he like, she like asks him to mistreat her and he puts a boundary around it because he loved her too much. And he refused to get to go against his own values when she asked him to mistreat her. Right. Like he was, there was a boundary there. He was like, no i'm not comfortable with that um he didn't shame her he actually said very little like i love that about his character like his character on this show um he doesn't he doesn't say a lot but he says a lot without actually using words and he actually struggles with words um but it's a, he's an interesting character um so he doesn't shame her right she asks him to mistreat her sort of like you know when people are when kids are having meltdowns and they're pushing and they're pushing and they're pushing and they're um maybe even calling you names it's like they're asking you to mistreat them to call them names back like i remember one time my son my older son said to me like i, I was putting down a boundary about something and he was like do people even like you like do you even have any friends I think it was in like ninth or 10th grade. We laugh about it now because every once in a while when we're talking about something, I'll just look at him and I'll go, do people even like you? <laughs> um, but yeah, he was going for the jugular. You know, he was just like, you are a, not just a, you know, he just, he just was acting like it wasn't even a possibility anyone could like me. So, when he, he, he's pushing me to mistreat him and then to come back at him. And I just sort of like shook my head and said, that's a new one and walked away. Um, and so in this show, I thought that, you know, when she asked him to mistreat her and he was like, no, I won't do it. But then he doesn't say like, what happened to you? You got creepy. He didn't make it mean like he didn't, he didn't let his ego come in. And, um, so I think he showed up with this loving leadership and boundaries, right? And um, and his energy just conveyed it. He didn't even really have to say much. It was just like his energy conveyed it. Okay. So it's about what you believe, like your energy. So often people will say like, "What, what now what do I say again? And I get it. You want to like fake it till you make it and know what to say. But what I can say is, is that you know, this month on the podcast, understanding these deeper concepts and seeing things differently, maybe than you have before and changing how you think about things, how you think about certain behaviors, it will allow you to start believing something different. And when you believe something different, your energy shifts. And when your energy shifts, your behavior shifts. Okay. And, and on that show, like There's this one scene that she, her brother finally just like, oh my God, he's just so disgusting. You hate his, her brother character, her brother's character so much on the show. And, um, and so this whole culmination happens where there's like this sort of creepy sexual scene between her and Connell, the main characters. And then she, he doesn't shame her, but he puts down his boundary and he's like, Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not gonna mistreat you. And so she quickly goes home. And when she goes home, her brother um comes after her. And next thing you know, like she ends up with a broken nose. And so she calls Connell and he thinks she's calling him to, you know, rehash like the weird, awkward sexual thing that they just had. And um And he, she's like, no, 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 it's not about that. I I actually think my nose is broken. And so he comes over immediately and picks her up and, and, and throughout the course of their relationship, they had been friends, they had been lovers at times, they had been friends at times. And so she had leveled with him and said, you know, my family life is bad. And so he knew her brother mistreated her. And so he gets her out to the, he goes to the door and the brother like, is like, what's going on here? And so she, so Connell gets her to the car and then he goes back in and he, um, you know, he basically goes and firmly lets her brother know what the rules are and that he will never touch her again. So he doesn't have a meltdown himself. He doesn't beat the living shit out of him, which you really want him to do. So he doesn't go to that meltdown state, but he is just this leader and he's got boundaries and he lets the brother know if she ever touches her again, he's going to kill him. Bam. There's the real rules. Um, Obviously you're not going to say to your kids, if you ever do, if you ever, if you ever touch me again, I'm going to kill you. But my point is, is that, is that the strong leadership was he didn't need to punch the brother in the face. He just needed to let him know here's the boundaries, you know? So, um, you know, I, I think that, that I love that show because I even love that show towards the end. It's like, like the main character, Connell, he, his loving leadership and his boundaries and his love for her. And, um, continuing with the relationship as the show goes on, like eventually that ultimately helped her to heal. And, um, I'm not going to tell you guys the very end because it kind of has a surprise ending and the surprise ending. Um, I actually loved, but I've talked to a couple other people who didn't love it. Um, but I think it represents something else. And, um, and so I loved the twist on the ending, but ultimately what really ended up happening without me telling you what the ending is, is that she healed, she became whole. Like that loving leadership and those boundaries and that emotional safety to feel known and seen and celebrated as she was born to be. She ended up becoming a whole person, not a shut down person. And such a, just such, you know, she, she bloomed. She bloomed as a human. So when you love people who are feeling broken, who are feeling unsafe, right, which this really describes our kids during a meltdown, the most loving thing you can do is show up with loving leadership and nurse them back to health through your calm, clear communication and following through on boundaries. And if you don't know how to do that, it just means you need to be nursed back to health as well. Okay, guys, heavy, heavy topic this month, and I uh, hope you found it helpful. Have a great weekend. Are you ready to start having productive conversations if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you hear me go through my three-step productive conversation process to solve any problem, and you're thinking, how does she do that? Guess what? I made a really cool resource for you guys. I call it the Problem Solving One Sheet. Okay, it's one sheet front and back, so you know, take it with a grain of salt, but it will walk you through how to have productive conversations and you'll practice. And before you know it, you'll be having productive conversations all day, every day. It really is the solution to solve any problem. So you can download it at mastermindparenting.com forward slash problem solving all one word. That's mastermindparenting.com forward slash problem solving all one word.